Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion once again. We're so glad you could join us. Our topic today is God, the only cause and creator. We are recording today from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. And I will read the prayer today since Lawrence is unable to this morning. The first is from Mary Baker Eddy, Six Days of Revelation, page 171. Oh, my God. I offer as a consecrated gift upon thine altar a heart dedicated to thy service, lips speaking only words of charity, love, and truth, thoughts striving to be only the true thoughts of the mind of God. Help me to endure unto the end, strong in the faith, powerful in the truth. All the influence that I can bring to bear, all the force of tongue or pen that is mine, I offer in thy service. May heaven help, consecrate, and accept. And then this is Mrs. Eddy's prayer given at the Massachusetts Metaphysical College, 1889 in miscellaneous writings. We today in this classroom are enough to convert the world if we are of one mind, for then the whole world will feel the influence of this mind as when the earth was without form and mind spake and form appeared. All right, we will go to our watching point. Watch number 149. Watch lest you permit demonstration to become work in the sense of it seeming a burden. The human conception of work, if permitted to obtrude into science, takes away the joy and efficacy of scientific effort. When demonstration becomes laborious, it is usually because the effort to realize that which is already true and established descends to the human level of working to establish that which may be recognized. It is the difference between calling on a patient to awaken from the standpoint that he is asleep and awakening him by realizing that in reality he is already awake. It is the difference between trying to produce health and realizing its presence as something already established. The scientific effort is not to establish good, but to realize that good is already established as a present reality. True work is not to make good ever-present, but to awaken to recognize it. Demonstration is hard work, Only when it is the effort to do something, it becomes a buoyant and triumphant joy when it is the effort to recognize and realize that which God has already done. Only such a right endeavor will establish God's will on earth as it is in heaven and will be unlabored. Thank you. And that is beautiful. Thank you so much. And how true and how perfect for this, all the watching points Karen relates to the to the lesson. But this lesson over and over, the beauty of God's creation. And this is really what it is saying, isn't it? Yeah. So anyone else who wants to speak? Well, I feel like I need to frame this watch and hang it on the wall. <laughs> I mean, this is my, this is, um, I'm, I'm so much more now recognizing that if my joy, if I've lost my joy, that's why I think I'm doing something. I'm now working to do, and it just keeps, it's a habit of thought my whole adult life until coming here. <clears throat> and I just need to frame it and hang it on the wall because every time I come back to this, it just takes me out of that 
feeling laborious or taking my joy just brings me back. But so anyway, I just love this watch. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, you're right. It's so easy to get into thinking we're changing something. We're not. We're seeing what God has already done. Anyone um, else? Oh, go ahead. I wanted to add something. Please. You know, uh, it's very important for us to enjoy and to be joyful instead of to see this work as being laborious. Because when we have it as being laborious, that is when we lose sight of God. Thank you. And we're not a good example when we're being curmudgeons. Exactly. And we hear it around us. And I had to watch my thought yesterday when I was in Berlin. There was a, a pro-Palestine, um, you know, demonstration. And so I had to sit with people and I just started to pray and be grateful instead of to feel, well, we wanted to go two streets above. And I said, well, God is with all of us. I am not going to have a political argument here. I'm just going to express joy. And so I started teaching this little boy some drawing techniques and he was very happy. So the three hours went well. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Wonderful. Good. That's it. God loves all his creation. Exactly. Everyone. Everyone. And if we take a side, it's only the side of God, which is his perfection. True. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, with pro-divine love. Pro, yeah, pro-divine yes, pro love. Pro-the pro Sermon on the Mount. <clears throat> Just know that it's already been done. And it's already been done. No more fighting, squabbling. Well, one of the things about this watching point, you know, mm -hmm. it's essential that we take responsibility for everything in our life. That, that is, we, we do have to be responsible for our actions, for our thoughts, for everything. But it gets down to what is it that we actually have to be responsible for? We don't have to be responsible for the end results. Our, our, our sole responsibility is to do the will of God. So our responsibility is to listen to what God has for us to do and have the humility to do what God has for us to do and not feel the personal responsibility for the job that God has for us to do. I mean, the only, the only personal sense of responsibility that we should have is the responsibility to listen to what God has for us to do and obey him. And we have no personal responsibility for anything else. <laughs> I'd heard a long time ago that uh, all God asks us to do is plant the seed. We don't have to make the tree. If we had to make the tree, that would be really... <laughs> that would be impossible. <laughs> so. only, only God can make, make a tree. It's that beautiful poem. The yeah, duty is ours. The results are God's. That's yeah. another way to look at it. Um, I was just thinking about this. Uh, you know, when things feel laborious, it is, it is an indicator that your thought has dropped and you're fat, you feel like you're kind of beating out against the mist. You know, she talks about that. And our job is to <clears throat> elevate our own thinking, you know, get, a, get above the mist. Yes. And then you, you, you know, when you're in the mist, you've dropped down to the level of the problem. So that's kind of how I read that was um, keep, keep your oil burning, stay above it. Yes. Thank you. Don't beat out against the mist. Simply rise above it. It's Mary Baker Eddy. Thank you. Yeah, because we, we get into it and then we, we're in the fray, we're in the fight, we've made a reality of it, and we're, we're defeated at the start. So, yes, it's God's beautiful creation, this beautiful topic on God, the only cause and creator. And it reminded me, it's, it's this beautiful song that our, our um, chorus sings at times. I, I don't know what to call it. Chorus, duet, trio, quadruples. Ensemble. That's a good name. Anyway, um, and, and it was written, Bruce told me, this was written a long time ago. It was written during Mrs. Eddy's time. Mm. But it, it um, describes, 
it describes everything. It certainly describes this lesson. And it's called, This is My Father's World. You probably know it. This is my father's world. And to my listening ears, all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my father's world. The birds, their carols raise. The morning light, the lilies bright, declares their maker's praise. This is my father's world. I rest in thought of, ro of rocks and trees and skies and breeze. Yes, heaven's wonders wrought. Or let me ne'er forget when wrong seems all so strong. God is the ruler yet. This is my father's world. Why should my heart be sad? The Lord is king. Let the heavens ring. God, let the earth be glad. This is my father's world. He shines in all that's fair. In rustling grass, I hear him pass. He speaks to me everywhere. That is so beautiful. And I think of it often, and one of our friends in Switzerland, he said that was one of his favorite songs, too. Um, I mean, you know, it is true. The winds, the rustling of the wind, you hear You hear God passing by, right? He's everywhere. He's in everything. This lesson brings it out over and over and over. Somewhere, Mrs. Eddie, I believe it's Mrs. Eddie, says we must have the utmost tenderness for everything we see. Because right there where something material seems to be is God. Because all is infinite mind and it's infinite manifestation for God is all in all. You're not seeing, I mean, it isn't actually God, but it is God being expressed is a better way to say it. And in the lesson, who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Go ahead. Thank you. Uh, in this digital era, uh, people talk so much about, I created this, I created that especially about uh, computer programs, all this stuff. And um, many, probably a decade ago, Divine Mind just led me to correct in my thinking and pray for him. Thank you. How this happens. And still today, of course, so uh, it would be great that we all, you know, try to help with this, everybody being a creator. And also, there was something said about uh, how we need what God created before being able to do something. And I just tried to say quick this, because it's very great about just one creator. It's a story of uh, a bit... Um, Uh, a celestial being or an alien or whatever, another kind of being that uh, was asked um, why he was bragging so much that he created this and he created that. And then he said, look, I'm going to show you. And then he took some clay or some mud and then, you know, made this amazing being out of it. And then he was asked, well, I will be very impressive next time you make your own clay and then create whatever you claim that you're creating. And I thought that is so much uh, important to understand, you know, that we, anything we make comes already from the creator or we couldn't make it. So thank it you. has to do so much with the lesson. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's where humility must be and it's where The race of man, so-called, has gone astray when they think they are personal creators. Mrs. Eddy says that in Science and Health. Creating something that God would not or could not create gets us in deep, deep trouble. What is that statement? One thing I know, God created all things perfect, but man has sought out many inventions or something. Oh, yes, the Bible. The Bible, <clears throat> many inventions. Is that... Lawrence, is that no? So no. Yeah, yeah. 
Factory yep. wooded man, perfect, but they sort out many inventions. Yes, yes, thank you. Yep. Yes. All right. And this applies too for uh, artificial intelligence because now we are thinking, you know, I mean, that with that one. Yep, thank you. Yep, there it comes. So we, we'll stay with what we know to be true. Please. All right, I'm going to start today with some of the things that people have sent to me, and I'll start with Shardell. Let's see. Today, in our lesson uh, on Science and Health 134, talks about, this is about miracles. And Jesus said, I knew that thou, thou hearest me always, and he healed everything. And then uh, Mrs. Eddy says also, a miracle fulfills God's law, but does not violate that law. This fact at present seems more mysterious than the miracle itself. The miracle introduces uh, no disorder, but unfolds the primal order. And there's more, as you read. And then later, I, I, well, I looked up at Webster. It's, it's really interesting. She goes on to say, the page, the, the beginning, XI, which is 11, the physical healing of Christian science results now, as is Jesus' time, from operation of divine principle, before which sin and disease lose their re reality in human consciousness and disappear. And she goes on to say that this is, this is <laughs> these mighty works are supremely natural. I just love that. It's so true. <clears throat> And we do it every day, I think. And then uh, I like what uh, Webster said. Uh, first, it says, literally, a miracle, a wonder of wonderful things, but appropriately. <laughs> and then he goes on to say, in theology, an event or effect contrary to the established constitution and course of things. Uh, or a deviation from the known laws of nature, a supernatural event, which a lot of people I'm finding in theology say it's a supernatural event. They don't get it. It's really supremely natural. Miracles can be wrought only by almighty power, as when Christ healed lepers, saying, I will be thou clean, or calm the tempest. All natural. Thank you. Yes. <clears throat> and um, Shardell heads up the weather committee, so I wanted to, to speak to that as well. Okay, right now? Mm -hmm. okay. <clears throat> All right. Well, as of today, we have about, no, not about, we have 20 active watchers. That fluctuates a little bit sometimes, but we right now, and, and lately, we've had 20 active watchers on the committee. And we know that many other church workers and members do weather watches every day. We know that, which is wonderful. Our basis of watching is taken off from the directions given by Mrs. Eddy in all her works. And especially I, if, if there's a new member, I'll say, make sure you look at chapter 62 in Mary Baker Eddy, Her Spiritual Footsteps by Gilbert Carpenter. And, uh, and that, well, of course, what we've learned here at the roundtable about you know, uh, the weather. We know that Mrs. Eddy invited students to come and stay in her home and promptly gave them the job of handling the weather. <laughs> uh, this was a proving ground for understanding the God-given dominion bestowed on man and an opportunity to demonstrate Christian science and to keep trying even if you did not uh, succeed at first. I love that, how she always encouraged people and helped them. Uh, let's see, our weather committee, uh, we're grateful that they continue uh, in these sacred footsteps. Once the committee is alerted to media reports of hurricanes, drought, flooding, earthquakes, and blizzards, like yesterday, we got a notice about a blizzard in England, and we all got to work. We sent out a notice. We begin to pray, and uh, they're led as they're led spiritually, and many share their ideas, prayers, articles. We have a booklet that is going to speak to that. 
uh, and hymns they share with the whole group. And then we, we uh, pray with those things. And it's wonderful to see how engaged they all are. From last May until September, we had over 20 instances where atmospheric conditions were improved or changed through prayer. We keep a record, and the next update will be this January at the members' meeting. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yes, this is an important work of our church, is this weather committee and, and holding God, we know in God that holds the wind in his fists. And there have been so many wonderful examples of this proof going on. And Mrs. Eddy did have a, a, a small group in her home working on the weather. I've given this before, but this is Memoirs of Mary Baker Eddy by Adam Dickey. Last week I read about his um, father's covenant, which was very beautiful. But also this, when he, it says on Monday, February 2nd, 1908, I left Kansas City bound for Boston with high expectations of the wonderful experiences which lay before me. He was asked to work in Mrs. Eddy's home, which was a high honor. I had much time to ponder the situation as the train carried me eastward. The country was covered with snow, which fell during all the trip. Trains were delayed and traffic generally interfered with because of the constant snowfall. Instead of reaching Boston at three o'clock in the afternoon, the train pulled into the station at, at 11 in the evening. And then he talks about how, you know, he was meeting people in the household when he got there and how he had breakfast with them. And then he writes, during this first breakfast, conversation turned on my trip eastward, and I learned that I had been expected to arrive the day before, Mrs. Eddy having been caused some concern over the delay. They asked me in a rather pointed way if we had encountered much snow on the trip. I explained that the whole country was covered with a blanket of snow, which was responsible for my delay. Mr. Fry at once said, we must tell mother about this. I wondered at the time what there was in that little discussion that could interest Mrs. Eddy. I afterward learned that she had an aversion to heavy snowfalls and that they were the damaging result of error and ought not to be tolerated. It seems that this particular snowfall had been the cause of considerable damage and the workers in her household felt that they might be excused for their failure to control the snow if Mrs. Eddy were informed that the storm was almost countrywide and not confined in New England. So I don't know about that. But anyway, um, it's this idea of when weather becomes animal magnetism and things are delayed and there's a lot of upset. That's when we get into gear and get into action. And, and even before we should be handling it every day so these conditions don't arise and we do this is our job as uh, watchtowers right and where would we get how to do it except from quote these unauthorized literature and yes carpenter has that beautiful chapter 62 62 mm -hmm. everyone should be familiar with that and how to handle the weather and the beautiful story and the lesson remember the Big storm came up, and, and what was Jesus doing? Sleeping. <laughs> yeah, he was asleep on a pillow. Totally undisturbed. Undisturbed amidst the jarring testimony of the material senses. Because these things weren't a part of his experience. They were not. He was above it. That's why. He walked over the waves. <laughs> he walked over the waves. And that Psalm 91, I will lift, I will lift you on high. Because you have known my name. That what, that's what that means. I will lift you above all the seeming discord that's going on in, in the Adam dream. You are above it. You will not be touched by it. You are immune to it, exempt from it. But as was brought out last week by Ingrid, you have, there's conditions to it. You can't claim this unless you have known the Father's name, unless you are you do love him as the beginning says because you have loved me i will deliver you those are the conditions for receiving these wonderful beautiful benefits of living in the father's house 
There is also that article, Weather, mm. in the memoirs by Adam H. Dickey is the best thing I, I think I've seen for weather. Weather uh, by whom? Adam H. Dickey. And oh. it's in that same book. It's in that same book, Memories. But it's okay. only like a page and a half of weather. It's absolutely wonderful. We all need it, really. And Linda put together a beautiful little pamphlet for, for all of us. It's online. You should all have it printed. You can order it if you want us to send it to you. It's beautifully done with pictures and illustrations and the front page looking like an, the old Sentinel. Yes. Jeremy made it. Yeah, Jeremy made with it. the women with the lamps watching. Yes. yes, the women's with the lamps watching. And anyway, you want to speak to that, Linda? Well, the project was given me to do, and it was quite a joy, and it was uh, people would give me uh, quotes that helped them, and we added those. And actually, we do have both Handling the Weather by Gilbert Carpenter and the one about by Adam Dickey that she referred to is in here, too. But it has a lot of quotes, and it's just, uh, to me, a very nice little booklet you can have just in your hands, and like the daily watching of the weather. Um, there's just some very beautiful, even short things of, uh, that you can just turn to and read or memorize and make notes in your book. Thank you. <laughs> and it's on the website on the main page uh, on the drop down at the top uh, under the watching section. And there's three of them. And we're slowly replacing the covers with the women. The Sentinel covers, yes. Sentinel covers, yeah. Yeah, and we have them, yes, on the weather, on the government, and on children. You should all, as working scientists, have each one and be working with it. Whatever comes to thought that you need handling, you will find answers in those little booklets that beautifully done. There's the there's all all of these things that we have <clears throat> gathered over the years, mainly given to us by Mrs. Evans, because we were always watching and working, and she she's Put them all in one little booklet, so it's quite a, quite a, wonderful thing. And we also have liberators on these topics too. Yeah. Those books or pamphlets are bigger, and they also cover other topics. But this one is very succinct. Easy to carry around. With you yes, go it places. is. It is. All right, Jeremy, would you read the golden text? <clears throat> Amos, for lo. He that formeth the mountains, and createth the wind, and declareth unto man what is his thought, that maketh the morning darkness, and treadeth upon the high places of the earth, the Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. That is such a beautiful statement to know and to work with God's total dominion. And Carrie, Carrie sent me this. It's very sweet about this is quote is from the book of Amos and we've done some Bible studies on Amos learned a lot about Amos that I didn't know before and um, also I suggest for those of you who can to go back to our archive Bible studies and listen you'll learn a lot but in this um, the majesty of God it's called and it's it's referring to that quote this and several other passages in this book of prophecy proved to us that Amos was a man who lived much in communion with nature and nature's God, a herdsman and a gatherer of figs. He passed his earlier years not in towns and palaces and libraries and schools and the temple, but beneath the open sky and in the presence of the solemnity, the grandeur, the sublimity of the works of the eternal. He had climbed the mountains of Judea had gazed upon the rugged ranges that closed in the Dead Sea, had scanned the desert of the south, and had delighted himself in the blue waters of the Mediterranean. He had out watched the stars, greeted the glorious dawn. He had bowed his head before the tempest and heard the voice of the Almighty in the thunder's crash. He had read the scroll which unfolds itself to every observant eye. He had listened to the language best heard in solitude and seclusion. His meditations concerning God as known, not by the book of the law, but by the book of nature. That is so beautiful. And I know many of you, because of your love of nature, 
you speak of it. And, it, and the lesson says, ask now the beasts and they shall teach thee and the fowls of the air and they shall tell thee. There's so many lessons in the beauty of God's creation, aren't there? It's just beautiful. And all of us should spend time in it. If you don't live in nature, you know, you can go out and enjoy it at times because it, it is very comforting and beautiful to see what God has done. Any comments on that? Yes, it makes me think about, I found some old healing thoughts from Plainfield that my grandmother had had. And there was something about nature and about, uh, you know, that the forgiveness and also the gratitude go hand in hand. I'm not paraphrase I can't paraphrase it well right now but I'll find it tomorrow I think and it was just so beautiful because it gave me solace when I was in this heavy snowstorm taking the train from Berlin back to Hamburg and we were late and it was a bit cold but I just kept you know thinking about the gratitude of being there and being with God thank you and you've heard many testimonies in our church about people out, you know, maybe driving in storms and, you know, praying and being directed and cared for. Um, so God's an ever-present help in times of trouble. Mm -hmm. And we pray that, you know, Shardell is always saying she's praying, you know, especially on holidays and things, that everyone's safe on the roads or in in, in weather that's not the best and everyone is safe on the roads we we need to always be praying we're always thinking something let it be the truth don't be going oh it's terrible and all oh, this whatever no <laughs> please be thinking the truth about it knowing the truth it'll that's what uplifts you and that's what keeps you on high and keep you dwelling in the house of the lord and you know mrs eddie says in questions and answers, um, the question, if mortal mind and body are myths, what is the connection between them and real identity? And why are there so many identities as mortal bodies? And she says, evil in the beginning claimed the power, wisdom, and utility of good. And every creation or idea of spirit has its counterfeit in some matter of belief. Every material belief, and this is so beautiful what she says, every material belief hence the existence of spiritual reality. And if mortals are instructed in spiritual things, it will be seen that material belief in all its manifestations reversed will be found the type and representative of verities priceless, eternal, and just at hand. That is one page 60 to 61 you all should know well because right where the material belief is when you are instructed spiritually you will see the truth about it and that is as we talked about in the beginning you know tony said your duty this is our duty this is what we need to do must do as scientists and we have all power from god to do it and when we're doing it we receive his power Whatever holds human thought in line with unself-love receives directly the divine power, Mary Baker Eddy. And I'm telling you, it will make your day most joyful, as the watching point brings out. Joyful day to see his creation everywhere. <clears throat> I also, one of the words that, that stood out to me in this uh the beginning of the lesson was the word, you know, God gave man dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air. So, but that word dominion, you know, is what we we'll call it, you know, problems with our environment and everything. But if we're reflecting the dominion that God, uh, from God, we, we're here to also take care and to, you know, do our best <clears throat> to take care of his creation, to, to not abuse it. To not take advantage of it, but to you know to govern it in through God's laws of love and care. And um, sometimes we forget that we just think we can do anything with it. But we're we're here to have not domination, 
but to reflect God's loving dominion and government and control over his creation. And, and I, yeah. <clears throat> it's called gratitude. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and is that ever true? And, you know, to see these things that have been established in our society where we think it's normal and natural to to abuse God's nature, God's beautiful nature. It, it is this is, again, the Adam dream. Because it, it's not a, it's not of God, whatever it is that you're abusive of. And as we grow, we're getting more and more aware of this and changing our ways. And, and then Gary's testimony, I think Samuel Green with these will fail and fall. And that where we are abusing God has given us, it's criminal. It has to stop. I'm trying to speak. Um, I'm just you can hear me because I'm in a different device here. Let me, can you hear me? No, we can't hear you. I mean, it's very much. Okay. Never mind. Elizabeth from New Hampshire. Sorry. Oh, it's Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah very muffled. I'm yeah, not... not... Okay. All right. So yes, we will. These false systems will fail, and um, we will have a, a truly heaven on earth where nothing is abused or dominated as Karen said and it is it's a sense oh well we're man so we can dominate anything and and be abusive toward it and and all of you know what I'm talking about I won't go into it <laughs> but anyway so all right the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth its handiwork day unto day utter speech and night unto night showeth knowledge Nancy yes Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge, as if one day took up the story where the other left it, and each night passed over the wondrous tale to the next. The original has in it the thought of pouring out, or welling over with speech, as though days and nights were but a fountain flowing evermore with Jehovah's praise. Oh, to drink often at the celestial well and learn to utter the glory of God. The witnesses above cannot be slain or silenced. From their elevated seats, they constantly preach the knowledge of God, unawed and unbiased by the judgments of men. Each, uh, even the changes of alternating night and day are mutely eloquent. And light and shade equally reveal the invisible one. Let the vicissitudes of our circumstances do the same. And while we bless the God of our days of joy, let us also extol him who giveth songs in the night. The lesson of day and night is one which it were well if all men learned. It should be among our day thoughts and night thoughts to remember the flight of time, the changeful character of earthly things, the brevity both of joy and sorrow, the preciousness of life, our utter powerless to recall the hours once flown, and the irresistible approach of eternity. Day bids us labor, night reminds us to prepare for our last home. Day bids us work for God. And night invites us to rest in him. Day bids us look for endless day. And night warns us to escape from everlasting night. And that was from the treasury of David uh, posted on the Bible Hub. And I thought, how, what a wonderful example to us to stand unimpressed, (laughs) unimpressed by material sense and just be the glorious spiritual man that God made us, glorifying and praising him and all that we do. It was just, I really was moved by this. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Any other yeah. comments on that? Only that uh, our teacher had said, all God requires of you is to do your best. And 
told me he'll take care of the rest. And, and so we, you know, as we do, as we've been taught, and it happens so many times, and, and you watch and you work with the truth. And finally, I'm asleep and it's morning <laughs> and everything's peaceful. And this is, this is, that's all God requires, just to do whatever you could. And then he would take care of the rest. And it happens repeatedly over and over in this piece at the end. Thank you. Yeah, we were taught here. I mean, we did our middle of the night watches, our day watches. But if you ever wake up in the night and can't sleep, you you first you pray for yourself, but then you pray for the world, whatever's whatever comes to you to pray about. And when you do that and you get your peace, you will go back to sleep peacefully. And and day day dawns. <laughs> we know in science there is no time, but these expressions day and, and night have various meanings and this had some beautiful thoughts about it. So thank you, Nancy. You're welcome. All right. And what about the Ark of the Covenant? What was the Ark of the Covenant? <clears throat> what was the Ten Commandments was carried in the Ark of the Covenant as sort of like a, a, a symbolic of God with them, God with his people? Thank you. That's a very good explanation of it. Jeremy, did you want to say? Yeah, just nobody was supposed to touch it except for the, the priests. So. Yeah. That's, I guess it's described in the book of Exodus. I think we've had Bible studies on this too, but yeah, they were the Ten Commandments, or at least a couple of them were kept, and they, um, and yeah, it was supposed to be some kind of a protection. And yes, when the priests walked out on the River Jordan, the water, it was all dry, right? They were able to walk across it. And when the Philistines stole it during a war, they terrible things happened to them. <laughs> so they yeah, had to they give it back. It. They yeah, returned they it quickly. It yeah, they did. Oh. So anyway, it's kind of interesting. And I think I think there's various thoughts on where it's ended. I I think it's in Ethiopia or something, or a church in Ethiopia claims to have oh. it. Be interesting if it still is around. I don't know, but it seemed to be carefully watched for a long period of time. Tom is here, right? Does he know anything about that? In truth, I mean, there's no innate power to a no. stone. <laughs> Thank you. Know, you. No. The police they put to it. That's exactly right. Thank you. No innate power to, to stone. But those stones contained God's message to mankind. Yes. You can't interfere with that. You can't use Christian science for evil, so it's probably... Exactly. <laughs> you try to steal it and do that. Good luck to you. Right. It represented something very holy, and, and in its representation, that has power to it. And that's true of anything. We must... As we've talked about translation, the matter into spirit. And so for that reason, it seemed to have great significance. But it, on its own, it was nothing. It was just the thought behind it. So, and, you know, in the story about Moses um, giving everything to, to Joshua, and saying every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you as I said unto Moses, and this is God speaking. And then he says, God, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Now that statement, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. We were given that to work with if you seem to have a chronic problem, no problem shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. You don't accept it. You do not accept it. You work with this all the time and, and saying to Joshua, but it's saying to you too, as I was with the early prophets, so am I with you. And I will not fail you or forsake you. 
These are from last week's lessons, God's promises that are kept. So don't accept chronic problems that go on and on and on and on and on. And you just think it's part of your being. The hell you say? How dare you say that? When I came to this church, I did have a lot of these chronic problems. And that was one of the things Mrs. Evans gave me and said, don't accept it. You know, because I'd had it so long, I'd, I didn't expect healing. Well, our expectation is from God. These problems will not stand before you all the days of your life. Impossible. And why? Because as the, as the watching point says, what? It's already done. Correct. <laughs> it's right. <laughs> absolutely yes all's perfect never had it in the first place for heaven's sakes <laughs> a lot and so um there are just so many yeah, i just say one thing before we i don't want to get too late but i just wanted to remind everybody about the genesis chapter it's beautiful herbert Reiki's no big power veto. He has a beautiful chapter in there on Genesis. He does. So beautiful. Thank you. Yes. I'm very fond of him and all his works. They're beautiful. And that on Genesis. And he, he debunks all these things that people think are, you know, the truth. And they're not. So. Yeah. And um, I guess it was Nancy talking about in seven in Science and Health. There is divine authority for believing in the superiority of spiritual power over material resistance. And what did you say about that, Nancy? To me, she was talking to me about it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, okay, here we go. I'm sorry, Mary. <laughs> well, you said it was so helpful to, to you to know that when we're knowing this truth, oh, it's divine yes, I'm authority. Sorry. Yes. Yes, it, it, I'm sorry. I had a mem- slight lapse there yeah it was so powerful to me just to know there's no other authority but god (laughs) no other authority but god when we claim that and we speak with authority to whatever whether it's a storm a physical problem um mental anguish relationship problems we speak with authority and we still any storm that seems to be in our lives or the lives of others, we have that divine authority and it's wonderful. So yes, it is. Yes. Uh, I was thinking of this. It's from uh, miscellaneous writings. I believe it's uh, never ask for tomorrow. It is enough that divine love is an ever present help. And if you wait, never doubting, you will have all you need every moment. And I just love that. Never doubting how important it is not to doubt. Yeah, you don't let that little stinky thing creep in. (laughs) Never doubting. You can't be... does all your work. Yeah. Because sometimes you're really strong in the truth and then this little voice starts to... You just shut that down really fast. Shut it down. It's not true. No... No doubting. And then... the beautiful about the universe of spirit reflects the creative power of the divine principle and mind governs the multiplication of the compound idea. The tree and the herb do not yield fruit because of any propagating power of their own, but because they reflect the mind, which includes all. This is how we work for our farmers, for our own gardens, for everything. It, it raises it above all these beliefs that this is going on and that's going on. no, God is in control of it all, but we do need to know it. And we need to be his representative of knowing this truth. So, um, and that's the power of prayer. And Shardy will end for us today. We're getting close to the end. So on something beautiful that Carrie said, yes. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Whoever has traced in their course need the phases are noted, the phases of the moon, studied the rising and setting of the sun, or trusted the season to come and go in their regular order, finds with proper study 
that each and all of this points to the invisible intelligence, the creator of the one creation. As we expand in thought and become more and more receptive, we discover new beauties and interests, thus receiving all we are ready to receive or have prepared ourselves to be capable of receiving. The world unfolding to us a grandeur and glory out of what was to us formerly emptiness or chaos. In miscellaneous writings, 331, Mrs. Eddy very beautifully expresses her thought in these words, quote, As mortals awake from their dream of material sensation, this adorable, all-inclusive God and all Earth's hieroglyphics of love are understood. An infinite mind is seen, kindling the stars, rolling the worlds, reflecting all space and life, but not life in matter. The posy as well, yes, the posy as well as the religion of the Bible shows forth grand lessons, teaching us that God's love, might, and majesty are made manifest, visible, in inexpressible loveliness, all, yes, of form and color, that the rainbow of promise out out, out, sorry, outsifies the painter's palette, that the lily of the field outrivals Solomon's glory and grandeur, that God, the divine artist, forms and colors his own ideas in all the beauty of his loveliness and holiness, giving to man his glory as a model, his righteousness as a light, is truth as the teacher. This is our Father's world. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. 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 Thank you.